0: Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosier. And we are breaking down the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you why they're great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should 2. JP how you doing today man
1: Fantastic Rob just finished reading stats on soon to be hall of famer Eric the Red Davis Oh He's on the back of this here baseball card
0: Outstanding Probably
1: not the best red on that team probably go Barry Larkin Barry Larkin yeah. sure So I don't know why he was Eric the Red Eric Davis. the Red cuz the
0: no. famous viking Eric the Red Oh well there you go yeah, There the you go. go Yeah okay right. oh. JP's notes folder is a literal uh, eight and a half by gigantic eleven
1: baseball card gigantic
0: tops baseball or is that Don Russ? This
1: is a tops tops baseball yeah. card it's a tops eighty eight tops
0: eighty eight vintage right? You have literally have that since nineteen eighty eight. I've right? had it. Oh yeah, this
1: yeah. is a, this is the original. Got
0: it, brand new. That's amazing. Because a- why would they make that? They still they don't make those anymore. There's no way. Anyway What year was Black Velvet released? Black Velvet Let's talk about it This is such a good song And as we studied it I just grew to love it more and more and more Than I always have even Um Yeah, that's what we're talking about today You heard us Black Velvet by Alana Miles Is the topic of the day Play
1: a little clip so they know what Let's song we're talking about Let's
0: dig right into this sucker
1: You said studied Studied <laughs>
0: Sean Connery. <laughs> That is That's there good. Are so many adjectives to describe this song. It's sultry, it's sweaty, it's gritty. It's good. It's so good. Uh this song, top to bottom, I literally I can't find one hole in this song. It's much. This is an A plus plus. Uh everything from the production. Um, to the lyric, which is incredible. The
1: vocal. The vocal, the the
0: delivery, the tones. The bass player. The the bass licks. Oh my gosh. That literally... Any bass player would be proud to have that in their pantheon of like, that was me. Like, oh, so good. Um, Alana Miles, Black Velvet. uh, Of course, she is from... Canada, (laughs) uh, which is the last thing I expected. I figured she's like North Carolina. Deep South. You know, yeah. Like I expected, (laughs) oh yeah. Or she's from, uh, you know, she's from Columbia. She's from, she's from Savannah. Uh, You know, like whatever. Or Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, why not? Memphis. No, 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 no. She's Canadian. Yeah. Um, Take that, Justin Bieber. Take take that, Justin Bieber. Uh, Yeah, Alana Miles, uh, released in 1989 written by Canadian songwriters Christopher Ward and David Tyson hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for two weeks in 1990 and number one on the album rock tracks chart aka mainstream rock chart uh, on, at, at the same time um, let's talk a little bit about the songwriters and then we'll talk about the actual uh, you know the the recording of the song. Um, Christopher Ward is a Canadian actor, songwriter, and video DJ for Canada's Much Music channel. VJ. Which, VJ. He's a VJ uh, for Canada's Much Music channel, which was basically the Canadian MTV. Let's just call it what it is. Um, which uh, hosted, among other things, uh, a, uh, a character that you may have heard of later.
1: Uh, Wayne's World's That's Mike right. Myers. Mike Myers right.
0: as Wayne Campbell. Okay. Excellent. Really? All right. All right. Party on. on. Party on. Uh,
1: before Saturday Night Live, actually.
0: Yeah. They had him on there before yep. Saturday Night Live. Yeah. He's, uh, of course, Mike Myers, Canada's favorite son, <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> other than maybe Justin Trudeau. Um, or, Christoph- Wayne or Wayne Gretzky. Or Wayne Gretzky. Christopher Ward also wrote for Tina Arena. You remember Tina Arena? Baby, baby, I'm in chains. No, that was it. If you didn't know that one, you don't so, know sorry, any of sorry, it. Sorry, Tina. Okay, Tina Arena. Like 1997, I want to say. Sorry. Uh, Hilary Duff, Diana oh, yeah. Ross, Peter Cetera.
1: Oh, yeah. And
0: uh, he was a composer's assistant to Hans Zimmer on the Lion King soundtrack. What well, about that? Uh, so he had st- Ah, <laughs> Zabuynia. Anybody that knows the words? It's yeah. Um... Anyway, uh, that'd be a great song to cover, actually, sometime. The Circle of Life. Elton John version. Some of the greatest chords I've ever heard in my life. Wonderful progression. I love it so much. Anyway, Christopher Ward. Tons of songwriting uh, credits to his name. Production credits to... Interesting note about Canadian uh, like um, music channels. Up until something crazy like 2006, I say it's crazy. If you're from Canada, don't get offended at me. There was restriction on how much American music could be played. There was like a Canadian Arts Protection Act or something that specified that a certain amount of what was played on Canadian airwaves had to be of Canadian origin. So like... You know, they couldn't air MTV because they weren't playing Canadian artists. It was like bare naked ladies and nobody. (laughs) And uh, and so they there was a on the radio and TV. They had to play a certain amount that was like this is Canadian. And it was like a, you know, a a countrywide legal thing. So they didn't do um, MTV. They did much music and uh, played a bunch of uh, Canadian artists. So uh, Christopher Ward was a big part of that. Uh, Starting in 1997, Christopher Ward became a member of the band Ming-T, which is the faux British invasion group featured in two of the Austin Powers movies, hence his previous connection Connection with Mike Myers. Myers. Uh, Group members also included Susanna Hoffs of the Bangles Bangles. uh, and Matthew Sweet. How and uh, they performed the songs BBC and Daddy Wasn't There in the first and third uh, Austin Powers movies. So I uh, bet you didn't know that. I sure didn't. I had I no didn't clue. Either. Susanna Hoffs, man. She's awesome. Yeah, I like her.
1: Yeah, um, Very similar to a lot of Miles, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, uh, anything else on Christopher Ward? I, I,
1: he was uh, Miles' boyfriend at the yes, time. Yes, he was a lot
0: that. of Miles' boyfriend at the time of the writing. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. Uh, the other writer of the song is producer and co-writer David Tyson. He produced Alana Miles' debut album. He won three Juno Awards, including Songwriter of the Year.
1: Those are Canadian awards. Yes, for that's those
0: like Canadian Grammys, kind of, right? It's funny, there's like the Canadian whatever. You Can we you still know? put on
1: something American? Yes, yeah. exactly.
0: It's the Canadian version of whatever the U.S. thing is. That's yeah. all we really care about. Um, you know, give us a break. We grew up here. It's our yardstick, you know. Um, so yeah, he, he, uh, won three Juno awards, including songwriter of the year for his work with Hall and Oates. Oh, uh, I didn't know that? he, yeah, he co-wrote, uh, or wrote, uh, don't hold back your love with, uh, Hall and Oates. I that. So go figure. I have no idea what that song is. I listened to it last night. No idea. I don't know <laughs> it at all. Um, so yeah. He did and, some stuff with point of grace too. Did he now? The free to
1: fly album. Free to
0: fly. I don't know anything about that. Point either. of grace <laughs> out there doing it. Uh, a little bit about Alana Miles, uh, a very little bit. This is all I really have on her is that she was born on Christmas born on day, Christmas day I that, okay. <laughs> born on Christmas day, 1958. And she's not Pat Benatar and she's not Pat Benatar and also not Melissa Etheridge, yeah. uh, gets confused for both the, uh,
1: she did have a great quote. Can I use an Alana yeah, Miles quote? This is a really good quote I heard her say. said, God put me on this planet to accomplish a certain amount of things. Right now I'm so be- so far behind, I can never die. I thought that was pretty ah, good. Pretty good.
0: Really? I've heard that quote before. Did yeah, that come from that's, her? That's the Alana Miles quote. That's awesome. Yeah, that's
1: pretty good. Good job, Alana.
0: Yay for the internet. Um, okay. First, before we talk about the song, I want to talk about the album cover... And the single cover, okay. Have you seen the single cover?
1: I've seen one of them. Okay,
0: let me spin you, it around and let you me take. You've probably a look. seen uh, the album cover, which looks. Hang like, on, I'm moving
1: away from my mic, everyone. All
0: right, album cover okay, which I've looks seen like this. The one right? on the left, yes. That's the album cover. Okay. Okay. Now the single cover, for some reason, looks like it was taken in 1940. Like Is that the, a hat? Yeah, it's a hat, and it's just the 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 the, the um the like lighting and everything. She looks like she's like, it looks like the cover of white Christmas or something
1: different people.
0: Yeah. She looks like like two entirely different people. And the, and she looks about, uh, I don't know, 20 20 years years older older on the single cover. It's so weird. Um, anyway, I mean, whatever, good on you. I'm sure she chose it for a reason, but it just seems out of place. Um, it looks cold. It looks like she's cold. I, I don't, anyway, very strange. Um, but enough about that. Let's talk about this, uh, amazing song, uh, black velvet. Uh, it, it was a tribute to, uh, the late great Elvis Presley, um, written after Christopher Ward attended Elvis's 10th anniversary vigil, uh, at Graceland. that would be the, the 10th anniversary of his passing. Um, he brought it back to his girlfriend at the time, who was Alana Miles, and her producer, David Tyson. She was putting together a demo for uh, to present to Atlantic Records, which would eventually get her signed. This song was a big part of that, uh, obviously, since it's the only song by Alana Miles you've ever heard in your life.
1: She she's actually not technically a one hit
0: wonder though. She, not technically, but I but I challenge you to name another song.
1: Well, I did some homework on that because of that. I can do that now, or we can do it later. Do it now. Um, she actually had two others that were in the top 100. There was a song "Instead of a Kiss" and another one "I Can't Stand the Rain." Which I can't
0: stand the rain nailed it, Missy Elliott, right? Uh, yeah,
1: maybe, I think so um, And she had another one that reached number 12 in Canada So I guess that's technically making her it, It's called Love Is But that I Can't Stand the Rain song Jeff Healy actually played guitar on it huh. so, so I guess on the chart She's not technically a one-hit one yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know those other it, songs so.
0: Yeah, okay, alright, fine so, She's a one-hit she's, one Let's call saying, it Spade a Spade, yeah. A spade yeah. here Yeah, that's okay. true um, I, I can't
1: sing them So I guess that technically makes her a one-hit
0: one Yeah, exactly Instead of a kiss I wish for a fish. That was the actual lyric to, uh, I'm just kidding. It wasn't, that'd be awesome though. Yeah. Uh, I guess I don't know. Um, okay. Uh, so she also released a new version in 2007, uh, or 2008, uh, to commemorate the 30 year anniversary of Elvis's death and sort of re-released that again in 2018. Um, as, as a, um, celebration of her like 25th or 30th anniversary as an artist. Uh, and it's awful. It's <laughs> terrible. They took this piece of gold and, and shined it up into a piece of garbage. Um, it's terrible, man. Uh, we'll, we'll play you a little bit. Uh, we'll warn you first in case you're eating. Um, but yeah, it's so bad. Um, I thought this was a good summary of the song. I found this on uh, a website uh, on song facts.com uh, and shout out to, uh, Larissa in Gainesville, Florida, who's the commenter who made this comment. Shout out to you, Larissa. I know you're listening. Thanks for out listening, there. Larissa. Thanks Appreciate for being a big fan. Uh, Larissa from Gainesville, Florida on songfacts.com said this song gives almost a short map of Elvis's life. Mississippi, Memphis, and in a flash he was gone. I thought that's a pretty, pretty solid summary. It kind of goes through the first verse. You're talking the first verse is really about Elvis's mom. I mean, really, it's Elvis's mom kind of dancing around the living room, you know, listening to, uh, uh, uh um, who's it says on the Victrola? Um, wow. I just listened to it. Uh, and I cannot think of the name, Johnny uh, Rogers. Um,
1: Johnny Rogers. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. yeah, I was <laughs> like,
0: my gosh, uh, you know, and so like Elvis is being brought up, right. And the lyric on the song is so good. It's paints such a good picture. I don't know. If since we've started this podcast with the very first episode, which was also Memphis, walking in Memphis, uh, that there's been a better lyric than this, it's so good. Everything is on point. Every little word matters. You know what I mean? The sun's setting like molasses in the sky, and just. Every At every corner, there's something that paints a picture that makes you feel the atmosphere of the song. It just feels a little bit grimy, kind of makes you feel the, you know, summer heat of Memphis. And you just feel like there's like, just like you're starting to glisten with sweat. I don't know. There's just something about it. Um, and, I always
1: thought that the black velvet was like something that was being worn. Yeah. Like, I thought it was like a clothing, but it's actually a painting Cause you can buy any Elvis any, black yes. velvet paint. Black in any velvet. Kind
0: of, but that's a, that's a, Okay, so you're not alone in thinking that. There's a huge debate yep. around the song as to what black velvet is a reference to. Is it a shirt or like vest thing that Elvis wore? Is it Elvis's hair? Is it a reference to his voice that's smooth like velvet and he wore black leather and he had black hair? Is it. You're not the only one, I promise. There's people are going round and round on the internet about what is black velvet a reference to. Um, and I think it works on just about every level. I don't, there probably is a right answer. You know what I mean? It feels like my first thought was the velvet Elvis paintings, which were at one point very popular. um, And uh, which weird Al did actually an entire song about a velvet Elvis Elvis painting. Uh, It's called velvet Elvis and it's awesome. And it's done in the style of the police, which is hilarious anyway. uh, But uh, if, if, it almost feels to me like if it's about the painting that feels a little cheap given the rest of the song. Mm -hmm. Like if it's a, you know what I mean? But that, that could be what it is. It's not exactly laid out for me. I just feel like it's about the, the general sort of aura of Elvis being captured as this phrase, black velvet, but I don't know. It's, um, you know, it's leaving me longing for, Black Velvet in that little boy smile. What is Black Velvet in that little boy smile? So is he is he, is he eating velvet? He's, he's, like, he's like, Elvis, what you eating, boy? And he's like, nothing. And he's got his mouth full of black velvet. Maybe that was it. Maybe I mean, she misread the lyric, and it
1: was supposed to be, and this little boy smile. Right? But she misread the lyric, and it yeah, just Yeah, it
0: said, oh. In. Black Velvet in because Elvis, we all know, I mean, Elvis liked to eat, you know, maybe he just had a thing for Black he did Velvet.
1: did some chunky Elvis years.
0: I mean, he did, later on, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. Um, the lyric is so good and well-crafted, there are so many great metaphors, um, combined with the music, it just feels right, you can really feel what she's singing and she delivers it so well. Her voice breaks up at all the best little spots, all the right little places. Um, I don't know, I, you know, I don't know if she was like a big Elvis fan or if it was just her boyfriend wanted to be there for this thing. Uh, but I mean, it really makes you feel like, she was affected by all this, you know. That, like this is a big part of her. Um, like she
1: has an Elvis tattoo on her Exactly. or something.
0: Yes, exactly. She's got she's got she's got that black velvet Elvis painting at home. You know what I mean? She's got it hanging up and always has. Uh, I I don't know, man. Um, the The lyrics on the the my my favorite lyric I think is uh, at the beginning of the bridge. Every word and every song that he sang was for you like that's such a cool it di- it didn't she, she didn't say uh it felt like you know what I mean felt like every word was for me it was just it was just a fact direct it was yeah. it was it
1: was for you every
0: word of every song was just for you he made you feel like you were the only one in the room you know what I mean even though you know Elvis is rivaled in you know popularity really only by a few other people ever you know the beatles Michael Jackson that's kind of about it uh you know they're just that to that degree of like people just went insane LeBron James (laughs) LeBron James um people just like passing out you know what I mean like uh and he came around he came around at a time that was he was on the edge you know, he was.
1: With his hip thrusting.
0: Yeah, with his, you know. And there was the line, there's a line in the verse about uh, the way he moved, it was a sin, which I thought is so good because it's like, it works on a couple different levels. It's like, you know, man, it's wrong for anybody to even be able to move like that. But literally at the time, it, it, they were like, that's yeah, sinful. That's evil. Don't show his hips on TV. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't, they only shot him from the waist up when he was on like Sullivan and stuff like that because of the controversy of how he moved his hips. Uh, so the the lyric is just extremely well thought out and well crafted uh, props to uh, David Tyson and uh
1: But let's not leave out the band. And Chris the, Ward. The music is pretty thick oh, on no, it too. Oh no
0: no no yes. You know what? Why don't we take a second and meet let's that meet band? Let's meet the band. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey mama let's meet the band. Let's all
1: we're gonna meet the band that played on Black Velvet um we've already talked about the lead and backing vocalist of this Alana Miles um a little bit so I'll kind of skim past her um on guitars guy named Kurt Shifter Really cool way that he ended up playing with a lot of Miles. She actually saw him playing on stage with his band and went up after their set and was like, you are now my guitar player. <laughs> and she took him from the band that he was with and said, you're now my guitar player. Wow! And he was like, okay. And so oh he became uh, the guitar player of a lot of Miles.
0: That's so, hilarious. Uh, she
1: stole a guitar player and he uh, has some really cool, cool licks and chops on here.
0: All you listeners out there who are in a band, try that sometime. Go find a band who has one member that's better than you and better the re- better than the rest of their band. And take them. And just be like, you're mine.
1: You're, you're with me now. Uh, but don't do that if you're playing with me and Rob because y'all will take Rob <laughs> and that would leave me and all my other buddies <laughs> hanging out. So don't do that with us. Um, actually, on bass and keyboard... David Tyson, the okay. guy that wrote it. So he's the guy that does the awesome bass lick. Yeah. He's also the writer. Um yeah. and I think part of the amazingness of the bass part is not just the cool feels, but the simpleness of the groove that yes. just
0: locks in. It's that classic blues bump, ba bump, ba bump, ba bump, ba bump. But and that one bass, like, David, in everything, though. It
1: is money. Boop,
0: boop, doo doo, 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 and doo
1: Here's an interesting fact about him playing bass on this. This is the only song that he plays bass on the whole album. Really? The rest is a guy named Steve Webster who plays bass on every other song except for huh. Black Velvet. Really? So, sorry, Steve, you missed yours. But he's still got his cuts. He also plays bass on uh, the Rebel Yell al- album, the Billy Idol album.
0: David Tyson or Steve, Steve Webster, Webster? the other okay. guy. okay. So, Oh, yeah, it's yeah. not
1: that he's without. He did yeah. miss it on this, and I'm sure
0: would have loved some the world. Real- the bass is really featured on this. Yes. I have a theory that it's fretless. Do you get I that sense when no, you listen? No,
1: I can now.
0: There's one lick coming out of the bridge when, uh, uh, right before she says, What could you do? Do you want to play right? it? Right? Yeah, okay, let, let me play it for you. Oh yeah? Woo! Yeah. Yes. yes, yeah.
1: I've never heard the trill, that that heard was the awesome. trill before.
0: Was awesome. It took it took listening on small computer speakers for me to hear that trill. I don't know why, but I think it's definitely fretless, yeah, right? It's got
1: to be fretless. Uh,
0: yeah. So good on you, David Tyson. Oh, and forgive us for jumping on top of the guitar solo. Yeah, there we totally just muted it. We'll play it's that true. here in just a second, but yeah, but de- okay. The but the bass is really featured on this song. Yeah, like, the verse, literally the first verse is just, just bass him. and drums. It's just him, bam, yeah. just laying it down.
1: It's him and uh, Jorn Anderson. Jorn? Who's the is that drummer? J O R N? J O R N. It's got Jorn? the line
0: through the O. Okay,
1: I don't that's, know. It's
0: going to be Jorn. Jorn. Yeah, Jorn. So uh, sorry,
1: Jorn. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched your name there. Jorn. Uh, Jorn Anderson. Drums. He played on 81 albums in his discography. Wow. Which is a ton of albums. That's a lot. And I knew three <laughs> others of okay. them uh, Ann Murray, Tom Cochran
0: really yeah hang uh, it tight was it the
1: mad mad world album i didn't see which album uh, uh and uh but it's tom cochran and david wilcox he played with david wilcox okay so All right. we're big tom david cochran wilcox. also
0: canadian yeah. right? there right. You go. okay good, good job Bjorn. we're loading up on canadian musicians right. here on the great song is Anne murray
1: canadian she seems like she, she could be. be yes if you're not you look canadian Anne murray that's right hold
0: on look that up rob while you're doing that is Anne murray canadian I couldn't find any matching places. Oh, Thanks, Siri, for, for nah, interpreting that as Emory Canadian. Hold on one more time. Hang tight with us. Is Anne Murray Canadian? Okay. I found this on the web for his Anne Murray Canadian? Let's see. Hang on. Anne Murray, according to Wikipedia is a Canadian singer in pop country and adult contemporary music. There you go.
1: Well, that's how Mr. Anderson got hooked up with with her as well.
0: Interesting. Mr. Anderson. Uh, Matrix, okay.
1: Um, David Whipper on acoustic guitar. um, Played on 10 other albums. I didn't know any of them. Um, percussionist on this was a guy named Michael Slosky. I can't hear the percussion. He is credited with a percussion on this song, not just the album, but on the song. Maybe there's like a tambourine. And I can't somewhere. hear anything. I've listened through to see what he contributed, but good job, Michael, getting some props.
0: Maybe there's um, like somewhere in the background, like a
1: maybe something you know, tambourine or something. Or, yeah. Um, he played with Bruce Cockburn. Um, the keyboard programming, aside from David Tyson, was done by a guy named Scott Humphrey, who played with Metallica. Uh, Rob Zombie, Thousand Foot Crutch, Christian ran recently. <laughs> and Alana Miles? Maybe. <laughs> no, yeah. Nine Inch Nails. Um, but his biggest songwriting hit, the Scott Humphrey guy, was a song called Find Out Who Your Friends Are by Tracy Lawrence. You know that? You find out who your friends are. Wow. Country song.
0: Jeez. That's his
1: biggest songwriting hit because he didn't write this. He just played keyboard on it. But Scott Tracy Humphrey.
0: Lawrence. Tracy Lawrence. There, is, there are a handful of country artists that I just cannot stand. Does he
1: do paint me a Birmingham? That Paint me a Birmingham. I
0: feel like that uh, might be somebody else. I don't know. I like we'll, we'll look it I, up okay, later. We'll have to look it up. We will not be covering that. We will that not be doing paint me Nor a will we be covering... Uh, was it Brother Jukebox? Right, that's Tracy Lawrence. Brother Jukebox.
1: We're just throwing back our old wow. school country roots yeah, here. Yeah, not I, Joey Lawrence
0: from Blossom.
1: <laughs> whoa, hey, that's hey, good Joey. Thanks for coming by. Good to yo. see you, buddy.
0: I'm sorry, I was trying something else. All I had was whoa. Oh, was uh, yeah, well, I mean, right. all he said was whoa, and that's then he right. was gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Tracy Lawrence. You can hear his mustache, and it's pencil. <laughs> <I've> never <heard laughs> and anybody it's, say and that. it's pencil thin, and <laughs> I hate it. That's awesome. I hate hear His mustache. It's that's like funny. a tiny little. Just a little sad in his mullet. I don't just go away. <laughs>
1: yeah, go away,
0: Tracy Lawrence. Well,
1: let's meet the band. That's, that's meet awesome. The band for this, pretty solid band. Pretty on solid this. band. No Not wonder bad. it felt good. Yeah, it's good and thick.
0: Yeah. Um, Music just grooves. I, I just can't. This song, as will be evidenced by uh, the what I'm going to play you in a little while, the the remade version of this song. The groove plays hard into uh, the the goodness of the song. Um, have
1: you heard the country version?
0: The Robin, I have. It's we, very, very similar.
1: Yeah, it's by somebody named Robin Lee. It uh-huh. actually released in the U.S. before Miles did.
0: Really? Yeah,
1: so it released here in the U.S. before. Have you seen the video?
0: I have not. It looks...
1: So similar, it's, really. If you watch both videos, they look almost identical. Interesting. Her with her band, it's just more country. It's just yeah. more country. It's just video. slightly
0: more country. It's the more song. country songs, more yeah. country
1: video. It's just, it's like, it's the same thing.
0: Interesting. Well, they were both on Atlantic Records. I, I know that, so maybe that had, you know, had something to do. They're like, maybe. we're just going to try and, you know, see who makes it big first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. See if we can hit both markets with this. The, you know, some people didn't realize that they were. Two different women, two different people, yeah. That they they thought there was just a lot of miles had done a more country version of you know, uh, whatever. And I feel like after I when I was listening to it, I feel like at some point I probably remember actually hearing that on a country station.
1: The country version, maybe,
0: yeah. It didn't sound so unfamiliar as to make me think. I've never heard this before, you know, but it's so familiar. It's even got a similar bass lick in it. You know, it's, it's, it's close. Yeah. Very production wise, very similar. Just a little bit more. I think it's got some laptop steel, you know, that kind of stuff in it.
1: The worst cover. Sorry <laughs> if you're listening is by Crystal Bower oh. who won American or was on American Idol. Yeah. yeah, I remember And her. there's no, ba- there's no punchy bass. It's terrible. Uh, it's it's not even the same song.
0: Yeah, the bass bass do not play it. it.
1: This is not one that I'd say. Hey, let's take a listen because you don't want to hear it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Um, the uh, the let, let me talk about the groove on this just for a minute, uh, and then I want to talk about maybe some other songs that feel this way. Um, this okay, so this is really a blues groove. Uh, you know, when you think of. Bah, da, 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 plung, plung like that's what this is this is a classic blues but it's really driving uh and i want to call attention to what the hi-hat is doing of all things um so the drums are going okay this is in six eight time it's right it's one two three four five six one two three four five six and the uh, the groove is here boom boom come Boom, boom, boom ka. And normally what you'd hear the hi-hat doing would be going ta accenting the eighth notes, but accenting every third one. But this uh drummer whose name I've already. Yorn Anderson. Yorn Anderson goes a different route. Jorn, old Jorny. Uh don't stop believing, Jorny. he goes a different route with it. And he's actually playing uh, what you would consider a three, four rhythm figure over a six, eight pattern. They, a bar of six, eight has eight eighth notes in it. And a bar of three, four has eight eighth notes in it. And it's the same. It's just a matter of where the beat falls and where, how, how the beat feels. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six versus one and two and three and one, two, three, four, five, six, one and two and three. And it takes up the literal same amount of space, uh, but uh it's where the where the groove is. And so he's playing a three-four groove. So he's got you've got your, your 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 actual groove going here. And he's going And it's creating this polyrhythm, uh I think we've mentioned before. It's two two different rhythms playing over the top of each other at the same time. Uh, and it, but it feels so cool. He's sitting on all these like off beats. Um, and, uh, and he's, but he's locked in on it. It grooves so hard. And uh, I don't think it would be better if he had done it, you know, great regular six, eight. I think it really, it just adds a little, one more layer of something cool to this song, uh, which it's full of. There's like a thousand layers of cool to this song. Um,
1: I wonder if they laid them down together like him in the bass, I wonder if they, Oh,
0: I guarantee you they got in a big room with the rhythm section and they all laid just, this down together. And she was probably in a, you know, in a room in doing an iso, it, in a ISO box, doing some vocals, maybe not the finals, but at least sing along probably. Um, and that's for me, that's the best way to do it in a studio. If you can But get everybody live is always best. You know, you can feed sit, off each other. Yeah. Feed off each other. The energy is just better. I even prefer to sing. I, I hate singing dry in a studio, with no other music going on, just singing into a microphone to me does not, it just feels sterile. I don't enjoy it. I don't feel like I'm myself live. Always better. Always, always, always. Um, that's my opinion. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it makes me think there's also, there's a cool, um, while I'm talking about it on the, one of my favorite albums of all time is, uh, 10 Summoner's Tales by Sting and, uh, Vinnie Coliuda played drums on that album and it's just a masterclass in drums. The whole album is just full of incredible drum technique and taste, just tasteful choices. But the, he does this a couple spots on there. He's he lays in these grooves where he uh, keeps a hi hat pattern going. He keeps a four four hi hat pattern going over a seven four time signature. Uh, there's a song called Saint Augustine in Hell. Let me play a little bit of it, and I'll uh, uh, and you can hear. Listen to the ride cymbal. Um it's gonna go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But he treats his ride symbol as though it never leaves four four. So his feet and his left hands are in seven four and his right hand is in four-four. Check it out. <laughs> That's just another cool example of that. Uh genius move. It up doesn't that album song. if you don't have it. It's got,
1: <laughs> it's got hits that you would know. It's got, if I ever lose my faith in you yep. and fields of gold, yep. shape my heart, still
0: and, know nothing about me. Yeah. Epilogue.
1: All, all kinds of good stuff. But,
0: oh, me. just amazing album. Front to back 10 summiter's Tales." We got to do a, we got to do a song off that pretty soon. I think. Yeah. Um, but he, he does it a couple other times. Just just a cool thing to think about, I, and uh, you hear it often in in gospel music. You'll hear drummers do it uh, even on songs with a groove, more like higher ground. You know, uh, up to boom, <coughs> that kind of thing. But you don't often hear it laid out through the whole song that way. You'll hear it as an accent uh, or as a you know kind of a fill. Um, but uh, this Yorn man, he's, got he's it. dude, he's like a train. Uh, it was also this. This song was also covered. Going back to covers for just a second. Sorry, um, by uh, we said Robin Lee in, in 1990. Also covered by country artist Tensil. I hope this is right. Tens T E N S I L E Tensile Tensile Arts Tensile Arts. In 2018, like just within the last few weeks, as we record this, uh, on the deluxe edition of her debut album, Rebel Child, and it's not bad. You know, it's a nice little homage. Um,
1: Is it pretty true to the original? It's
0: yeah, it's you know, it's pretty solid. It's it's a it's a little bit edgier country. It's not as it's not as legit straight country as the Robin Lee version. It's a little mo- a little bit more rock and roll, a little more modern. Um, you know, she's young it's hip and It's the Carrie cool. Underwood
1: country version. It's
0: kinda. no, it's more, it's even more like updated and hip than, than, you know, than that. Um, and then it was re-released in 2015, which was itself a re-release of the 2008 version, uh, by Alana Miles as a celebration of her 25th anniversary. Um, and, I'm just going to go ahead and play it for you just so you can hear it. This is Alana Miles. This is an official release. This is not a remix that somebody took and made their own thing of. I'm just going to play it for you and let you uh, sort of form your own judgment. Podcast. Okay, so here's what I figured out. We just took a little break, and here's what I figured out. Uh, I My original research was incomplete and... What I've discovered, what I've realized is what happened was uh, in 2008, she did a, uh, a re-recording. And, um, and I had in my notes to, uh, to talk about this, so I guess now's going to be the time. A lot of Miles said she never saw a royalty check for this song until 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, this came out in 1990. Uh, and she didn't see a royalty check until 2008. She signed her record deal. She was young and naive and uh, she ended up the record company ended up paying seven million dollars in expenditures over her first three albums. Well, the thing about a record deal is they give you this money up front for you to work on the album and for you to do whatever you need by housing with it, by a car, you know whatever, to get to places and blah blah blah. But they have to recoup all that before you see a penny. So uh, most artists, especially now, don't make their money off of album sales. They make their money off of touring. Um, and so because you have to go on tour and produce to uh, to recoup those album sales. So until 2008, that's how long it took her to pay her record company back that $7 million. Um, and so she made nothing.
1: You know, her tour manager lost a lot of their money because he was selling cocaine. <gasps> he So. yeah, shady. Yeah, so be careful who you choose for your tour manager. You Shame on come you.
0: Come an artist. Shame on you. Yeah, seriously, just don't go into the music business at this point. <laughs> just get a SoundCloud and like be happy. Let people pay you to play at bar mitzvahs and stuff. It's really much safer. Play weddings. <laughs> be
1: in a wedding band. It's yeah, awesome.
0: It's cool. Um, so in two thousand eight she recut a version of, uh, black velvet and re-recorded it basically note for note. And that version is out there and it's a version that she owns the rights to now and that she can make her own money off of. Um, and, uh, and then in 2015, there was a re-release album, a full album of re-release versions of that. And it's called 85 BPM. Um, and so I stumbled across one version out of many and thought this was the re-recorded version that she had done when in fact it is a remix okay so this album is I guess 85 bpm is probably the song tempo and she just gave it to a bunch of people and said do what you want with it here's the lead vocal put music around it um but this is what I had originally thought to be the re-recorded version and I was like How did you so badly get away from the heart of this original song? This is, in fact, a remix, not the re recorded version of Black Velvet, but I still want you to hear it so you can go through the same shock that I did. No black velvet. Uh, All right. So Yuck. Yeah, no, no. Okay. Uh anyway, that is actually the Mike Borkowski remix from 2015 of Black Velvet, which really captures uh, <laughs> you know. If you thought they nailed it the first time, wait till old nothing Mike Borkowski like, like that. Yeah, then it says Elvis like what I can only picture as Uh, like an Eastern Indian palatial gathering with like people riding elephants and stuff. That's what that sounds like to me, you know, black velvet. Uh, yeah. I do want to talk about the chord progression and the, um, uh, uh, the counter melody kind of thing on the pre-chorus. Okay. Um. We're in the key of E-flat minor, and I'm calling this E-flat minor as opposed to G-flat major, which is what it would look like on a sheet of paper. Because
1: they're tuned down a half a step.
0: The, the, well, yeah, they're tuned down a half a step, so they're, they're like their bass is, you know, he's playing a low E string, but he's tuned down a half a step. But I'm calling this E-flat minor as opposed to G-flat major, which is what it would look like times, uh, key signature-wise. Um, because this is truly a minor yeah. song
1: it 's the solo and everything it's yeah
0: it 's it 's not it would be more simple to write out if you called it g major if you were writing out a number chart uh but really, this is an e flat minor song and uh i there 's this little uh i want to play if I can find the original version again uh I want to play the pre chorus real quick. Um, and and hear this little line that runs through it. I just think it's so cool. Uh, Hang tight. Let's play this one more time. Okay, check it out. Okay, that little... The the chords we're talking about there uh, are... Let's see if we're in E flat minor... Uh, it's a B flat, it's a five chord suspended, so it's uh bah, 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 bah. then a A Don't flat. Do it suspended. In minor, do
1: it in major, like tune down half step, right? Wouldn't that be uh, do it like G. Like do it in E minor. Okay, so, an G, e, so, okay, so, so, so in E minor. Okay, so if we're talking in E minor that if play in because you're, yeah, you're gonna play it live. You're not gonna play it in E flat minor. Yes, okay. You're gonna play it in, in
0: e. e. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, do it so that if way. you're playing an E and you're tuned down a half step, uh so it's all it is is it's five chord suspended, five major, four chord suspended, four major, uh, flat three chord suspended flat three major or G major, G major. you know, um, is that right? And see, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Um. So it would be B suspended ba-da, A suspended Ba da G suspended Ba Then the five keeping line for uh so yeah but it's just that little line that moves all the way through it ba just moving down chromatic ba and then it go would go down a full step ba-da. Uh, so nice like yeah y'all don't have to do that but it's so good like just another layer you know talking about layers man um all right a couple other notes on this song um According to the song uh, songwriter, Christopher Ward, a key line in the song is a new religion that will bring you to your knees. He said that he got got the idea for that line kind of after what we talked about noticing Elvis's effect on his fans, uh, you know, sort of swooning and whatever he said that he felt that that was similar to what churchgoers would feel after being exhorted by fundamentalist preachers. So like people got worked up into a lather and, (laughs) uh, you know, and just kind of like lost control of their bearings. Um and so he he thought that was a you know it was its own religion coming through um i have I have just a couple thoughts on the groove okay um just other songs that feel like this because it's immediately you know this you feel this uh, I think it's because it's kind of a blues based thing that everybody's just sort of generally aware of this kind of feel but there's really not a ton of major pop Song hits that have this feel, but there are a few. And so I made the first one that I thought of was I'm the Only One by Melissa Etheridge, right? Which this song has gotten confused with. She's gotten confused with Melissa Etheridge. Uh, People think that, you know, Melissa Etheridge sang Black Velvet or Alana Miles sang I'm the Only One. Uh, If you don't remember that one, it's from the 90s. But I'm the Only One who walk across the fire for you. It even starts off very similar. And really prominent bass Like production wise It's got a lot of similarities even Um, You got any that come to mind? Any that spring to mind? Bad to the bone Bad to the bone George Thorogood. George Thorogood And them there destroyers Bad to the bone Bad to the bone Literally the bass in this song I think pulls off that lick A couple times Bad to the bone uh, Bad to the Bone and his other one I Drink Alone oh, right yeah. it's essentially the same, yeah, same song. song let's not kid ourselves he's yeah. trying to recreate <laughs> Bad to the Bone it even rhymes um, uh, Journey Love and Touch and Squeezing right oh yeah uh, it won't be long girl right okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Love and Touch and Squeezing um uh, maybe my personal uh, sentimental favorite is um, you remember on the Cosby Show when Theo's girlfriend broke up with him, Justine, and he and <laughs> and uh, and Cliff plays him the blues record and he's trying to get him to sing to win her back. And he's going, justine, justine, da-da-na-na-na. justine, justine. <laughs> oh, I, anyway, know, I, I bet like, you didn't think I was going to pull out Cosby. I did
1: not see a Bill Cosby reference <laughs> coming. Felicia Rashad, maybe, but no, maybe, a, maybe, maybe. Cosby. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh,
0: and, uh, one more that I want to get, uh, <laughs> purely because I, not because I think people are going to remember this song, uh, but because I want you to tell the funny story that goes along with it. Um, I want to play a little bit of the song Jumpin' Jack Flash by a guy named Marty Stewart. If you listen to country music in the early 90s, you may remember Marty Stewart. Uh, He did a song called This One's Gonna Hurt You with Travis uh, Tritt. It was a huge hit. He also got some radio play uh, for this song called Me and Hank and Jumpin' Jack Flash. Uh, I'm going to play just a clip. Soon, at some point. I went to hill Billy Heaven. Oh, what a beautiful sight.
1: Saint Peter come up to me. Anyway,
0: we don't need to play much of the song. That's not the important part. But what I want <laughs> is for JP to tell his Marty Stewart story. I do
1: have one Marty Stewart story. I uh, i am from Hendersonville. Well, I'm from Athens, Tennessee, but I live in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And there is a restaurant that I took Rob to the other day called Our Place Cafe, if you're ever in Hendersonville.
0: Shout out to Our Place.
1: Shout out to Our Place Cafe. It's a little meet and three. Um, go on by and grab yourself some, uh, some cornbread, cornbread or rolls. That's your choice. Um, but every, uh, every meal at, at our place, at the end of your meal, they offer you cookies. So chocolate chip cookies. And I was sitting at a booth and right behind me was Marty Stewart sitting right behind me. And I was like, babe, that is to my wife. I was like, that's, that's Marty Stewart. And she's like, who is that? And I'm like, well, it's kind of like the Vincente Fernandez of country music. My <laughs> wife is Mexican for those of y'all that don't know. So she's like, okay, so he's a big deal. So the waitress is coming around, ask us if we want our cookies. So of course I want mine. And then uh, they offer them to to Marty, and I'm like... He's like, no. And I'm like, well, then I'll have his. I was like, sir, do you care if I have your cookies? He's like, no, that that's fine. <laughs> and I took not only Marty Stewart's cookies, but his wife's cookies as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, anyway, it's a longer story, but we had a good little conversation. You ate Marty I ate Marty Stewart's, Stewart's chocolate chip cookies wow. at Our Place Cafe. So. Nashville
0: stories. That's right, man. So. It literally, in every room that you're in in Nashville, someone works in the music industry and is probably famous for it. Uh, and you just got to be able to recognize them when you see them so that you can take their cookies. That's right, so you can eat their cookies. Yeah. All right. Uh, you Got anything else you want to cover yeah, on yeah, Black Velvet? Yeah, I do. I have it.
1: one thing. Uh, they asked a lot of Miles what her favorite or best experience of performing this song was. She actually, this was, did not win her top pick, but it would have for me, the last Johnny Carson episode as a host she was the musical guest. No kidding. And she did Black Velvet. Wow. So that's pretty big, right? Yeah, that's the that's one a that I would have thought. That's the one. Yeah. But she says to this day, her the best that she ever did was a night she opened for Don Henley and the power went out on stage mid song and she just dropped down to her knees in the middle of the song, but the crowd finished the song and carried it for her uh, all the way out. So okay, she's like, That's that's, not, the one. that's pretty good. Yeah, all right.
0: That's not too bad. So you can't mm-hmm. really top that. I yeah. Think, uh, guess the huh. only thing we haven't touched on is the guitar solo true it is a good guitar solo it's not a blazer it's just tasteful great tone comes in strong yeah the first lick just classic blues lick uh you know just feels like it just feels right delta blues and uh so why don't we take them out on that Send why don't him we just take them out On the guitar solo. Not by Marty Stewart. Not by Marty Stewart. No, no, no. Although he can play. The boy can play. Uh, But no, let's take you out to the uh, Black Velvet guitar solo. Listen, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, If you're on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, wherever you are, thanks so much. We appreciate your time every week. Thank you for all the kind comments. Shout out to Anthony Quails; he sends us a meme every week. He listens to the episode and sends us a hilarious meme. Even got us a shout out from Blues Traveler. So, what up, Anthony? The official Blues Traveler with the check mark. That's right, verified. Uh, So, you know what, Anthony, you're the fan of the week. We're gonna send you a big fat pile of nothing. (laughs) Thanks for listening, Bob.
1: No prize of unspeakable value. All
0: right, thanks for listening, you guys. We're gonna send you out. With the guitar solo from Black Velvet by Alana Miles. We'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music.